I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Hello, is this thing on? Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and today I got to chat with the highly renowned Miss Sue Hitzman of uh, the Melt Method. She is the real deal. She graduated from New York University with a master's in exercise science. She is New York Times bestselling author of the Melt Method. She is a founding member of the Fashion Research Society. She's been doing fitness, movement, exercise, education forever. She was back in 1999 before the world came to an end in 2000. She was the uh, the lady in, what was it called? Exercise Booty Boot Camp? I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> Crunch Video Boot Camp is what it's called. Uh, and uh, that sold like a zillion copies. Really, really amazing woman. I'm so, so grateful to get to have had her on the show today. In this conversation, we got into the neuromuscular bridge between how we are feeling emotionally and how that impacts the tonus of our musculature. Um, We got into Sue's very, very interesting story from how she went from debilitating pain, potential surgeries, and anti-anxiety, depression medications, and being in a rough spot where she physically looked phenomenal, um, but on the inside, things were things were not as functional as they appeared to be on the outside, and how she guided herself out of that and uh, kind of landed her own plane. And to be today the fascial queen that she is. And so what it's called is neuroplasticity, and the, it's almost like pain and trauma can hijack those parts of the brain where we also uh, manifest movement and control and things like that. So what's very intriguing is that you might uh, find that, let's just as an example, you're, you hate your job, you sit at a desk all day long, and your boss is always yelling at you, and suddenly you start having low back pain. And so you say, oh, it's because of the chair I'm sitting in. But the thing is, even, you know, like, and so you only get the pain when you're sitting down. But over time, you start having the pain all of the time, and now even when you start thinking about having to go to work, your back starts to hurt you. Uh, really, really amazing conversation. I greatly appreciate Sue's vulnerability and uh, organic conversation. This. So you can hear Sue in a million other podcasts going deep down the terminology in relation to what is fascia and defining our physiology. And But in this conversation, we kept it real as we like to do. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in. Please utilize the website aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you'll find hundreds of videos on functional movement and self-care practices. You will find the self-care kit, hollow foam roller, balls, bands, door anchor inside. Come along with video guide how to use that thing and uh, keep that tissue moving smooth and silky. 
every single day of the rest of your life. And por favor, if you like what we're doing here at the Align Podcast, leave us a five-star review on the iTunes machine, Gizmo. Greatly appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Helps the algorithms do their thing to show the show to more people. That's what we're shooting for. Um, Subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your family. And thank you so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate y'all. In a couple hours here, I have a discussion with Mr. Kelly Starrett. So tune in to that. And happy Easter. Yay, Easter eggs. All right. Rick, 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 Sue Hitzman. Align Podcast. Right in on. Europe, they do these tiny little cups of coffee. It's the cutest little thing in the world. I know. You're like, can I have two of these? That's what I did. I was like, what are these small cups of coffee? This I don't understand this. Don't I, you guys have bigger cups? I am American. All right. So you look very beautiful, by the way. Really? I was just saying to my to my 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 assistant, I was like, I look like I have bags under my eyes. I'm so I'm tired. I got a little cold from just all the stress. I think my body, my immune system dropped a little. So no, seriously, it's it's. Um, yeah. I was I was expecting you to be a little bit more of a wreck. <laughs> You're like I'm sick. We I'm can do sick. this I'm thing. But then the video popped up. I'm like, she's looking good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. So the one of the things that I thought was really cool about your book in the first place was the fact that it goes deep into a lot of really fantastic, what I find to be important information, but it's also layman's terms at the same time. It's very paradoxical, that book. And so you're you're rewriting it, which I'm almost like looking forward to it and disappointed because I like the other one. What's the deal? Well, you know, the, the whole point of when I, when I thought, my God, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book for the general public about you know, the neurofascial system, which is connective tissue in the nervous system. It's like, you know, the most abundant material in the body and the most complex system of the entire body. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and try my crack at simplifying this down so that anybody could understand it. And that's what the iteration of the book was, just like you said, was taking these complex ideas and making it more layman so that it was easy for somebody to understand. Well, when I went out on the book tour and I tried to describe, you know, some of the changes. What I found was that, you know, people taking in information who have never done any fitness, like, a, you know, just to give you an idea, when I went out on the book tour, I thought, you know, yoga people and fitness people were going to come to these events. And it was more like a come to Jesus moment. We had people coming in with IVs attached to their arms and oxygen tanks and walkers and crutches and prosthetic legs and, you know, diabetes and cancer. It was, it was really a big shift for me where um, I not only changed the roller, I made the roller smaller in circumference to make it easier for people to get on the roller, but um, uh, also just even the refinements of the language because when I narrowed the roller down, the setup of the positions really the the instructions really changed. You would not think that a one inch smaller in circumference would make that big of a difference in how you position yourself with the roller. But oh my gosh, it was like, God, I've got to change all of the writing. So we cleaned it up and we simplified things even further so that people could really take in the techniques one at a time. But the science is still the same. I mean, the science is uh, still moving ahead and, you know, science is not static. um, But the concepts that I had in the book when I initially wrote it 
really science is only just caught up to what I'm talking about. Right. It, 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 our mind stuff's not outdated yet, so we don't have to change the science just yet. But I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll keep refining that too. Right. So one of the things that you simplified or you simplified the language in the, in the uh, Melt Method book, is that how you call it? I have it actually sitting yeah. right here. Yeah, the Melt Method yeah. book. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, you, instead of, instead of the, the neural fascial system, you called it uh, autopilot, I think. Is that right? Yes. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah, and, like it's it, that's just a nice, simple way. Yeah. Right, and so something that I see when I'm teaching people and doing, you know, doing classes or workshops, wherever it may be, it's the same thing. You know, it's like we need a red hot revival. You know, like we need to change right. kind of the paradigm shift on our perspective on on fitness and working out and movement in general. I think because we we put ourselves into these small little boxes and cages we do our linear exercises for 45 right. minutes and then we go back to all the bullshit that is put us in the pain in the first place it's that's like, right what do we do what? well that, that's just it you know like i think a lot of people think that if you eat right and you exercise and you do all these right things that you'll live a healthy active pain-free life but i always say that's kind of the dirty little secret of fitness is that the majority of people who engage in physical activity are the ones who suffer from more chronic pain than the people who live a more sedentary life. Um, so that's a big, a big issue in fitness is just educating people on a missing link that, you know, I think it's, I think people realize it, but it's like they don't realize that unless you say it is that you know 90% of what happens in a given day inside your body is involuntary like you can't think your way to digest food better you can't think your way to go to the bathroom at a particular time of day or how much to go to the bathroom you know like how much to poop out you you can't you can't think your way to fall asleep you you know you can't think your way into being more energized in the day um, and, and the way that the nervous system and the connective tissue function to sustain efficiency or what I call the autopilot, the autopilot very simply are, are the parts of your body that try to support, protect, and stabilize you without your voluntary awareness or control. Um, those parts of the body, you can actually tap into and support instead of just you know, thinking, well, my genes, my genetics are pretty good, so I'll probably live pretty long and pretty well. And, you know, medicine has helped us live longer, but it's not necessarily letting us live better longer. It's right. just a lot of us are just adding years at the end of our life, but not really improving the quality of our life at all. And that's, you know, what my come from is, is that I believe, you know, people my age, I'm in my mid forties, I think I'm going to live until, you know, I'm a hundred or more. So I want a hundred great years. I don't want 80 pretty good years and then 20 really troublesome years. I, I, I want to really preserve my wellness. And that's what my philosophy is, is just understanding that there's more to, um, you know, living a pain-free life and a healthy, active pain-free life than just diet and exercise. We just need to learn more about what sustains the efficiency of our body through a lifetime. Right. And so one of the things that you mentioned in the book as well was uh, the, the value of reconnection with ourselves. That's right. You know, and I think that that is something that is, that, as far as the fundamental paradigm shifts that need to happen, I think that is the biggest, most crucial component. And it's also the least tangible. And us in our, uh, you know, especially in our American westernized, you know, European mm -hmm. society, it's the things that we can't grab onto, like the Newtonian physics of it, that is sure. the most kind of like, oh, no, I don't, that's malarkey. That's like new age crystal stuff. I'm not into it. 
You yes. Know? And so it, it pushes is, people away. How do we just, how do we make that normal? You know, the, the, the reality of it is, I think that more and more people are recognizing that there's more that you can do, although there are the, what I call the yeah butters, you know, you tell them what they need to do and they go, yeah, but I this, yeah, but I that. And I'm like, stop yeah butting me. Are you having a problem that you want fixed or do you want to just complain about it? Because if you want to complain, talk to somebody else. I'm looking for solutions, not you know, the problems and, you know, with, with, when it comes to, you know, self-care, the thing that I think a lot of people who believe they're proactive, they're taking a proactive approach, we're really more reactive. We tend to do things for ourselves or seek out help when there's a problem, but we don't really realize that we can do things so that we don't go down the road to have the problems. And especially in the way of chronic pain, People wait until they're in so much pain they can barely walk before they finally say, gee, I think I need to do something about this. And then the first person they go to is a doctor. And we all know the only thing doctors are going to do when you have pain is give you an anti-inflammatory, a pain medication, or send you for more research, more, you know, an MRI, an x-ray, or something like that, or go see a specialist. Um, So their ability to help is very narrow and when it comes to chronic pain, chronic pain is a big gap between acute trauma, like you know, you fall down a flight of stairs or you, know, you get hit by a car, you probably should go to the doctor, you know, check your head, make sure you're not, you know, having a concussion or something like that. And and then there's disease, you know, which is on the other side of the spectrum, but in the middle is this huge gray gap of chronic problems that a lot of us deal with for a lot of years and never really do anything about it. Um, until it, again, it gets really bad. So with Melt, the whole concept that I had with my clients was if you could assess, if I could teach you to assess what I call stuck stress, where stuck stress is living in your body and what might be a cause of your pain. If I could get you to identify common imbalances and things that tend to cause pain for a wide array of people, if I could get you to assess it yourself, treat it and then reassess and find it gone, would you be more apt to do self-care and to not wait for chronic pain or for medicine or a surgery to fix you? Would you be willing to do things for yourself? And I have to tell you, when I talk to people that way, they actually say, yeah, I, I guess I would do it. And I think what's shocking for most people is when we do the assessment, I always say there's four common imbalances that many people possess that are left unaddressed from day to day. And these are the four that end up compressing our neck, our low back, and end up causing a lot of destabilization of the shoulder girdle, the pelvis, and the core. And so if I could teach you what those four are, and if you've got one of the four, I got something for you to fix it so that you don't go down that road of pain. And, you know, that's why hundreds of thousands of people have offered to try, you know, have gone down the road of trying melt is because we've had great success in eliminating common chronic pain problems that many people suffer from day to day. Yeah, there's a um, there's a study I was looking at a while back about. Um, people with, had chronic back pain and their ability to cr- draw an outline of their spine. And what they found was in the areas that they had pain, it was kind of blurry. Imagine that, right? Mm-hmm. A similar, mm-hmm. s- similar, similar sense of their sensation of those areas of chronic pain. You'd think they'd be hypersensitized, right? But instead, it's actually numb, much, right. much like we do with kind of crummy memories. Oh, my uncle touched me when I was a kid. I'm going right. to forget about that. Right. Right. Imagine that how our nervous system works comparably on every single level. 
right? Absolutely. Well, and it's all connected. You know, I mean, a lot of times people have chronic pain and it is caused by emotional distress or uh, a history of chronic common problems. And and we did a a low back pain research paper um, and we actually found that there were common flaws in people with chronic low back pain. And one of them was specifically in they had an issue in their connective tissue. So connective tissue is this supportive infrastructure under your skin that stabilizes your bones and your muscles. It gives your joint shock absorption. It stabilizes your gut. It gives everything its space and actually is what keeps your architecture of your body aligned and stable. And in the cases of low back pain, the fascia, what we know with chronic pain is that fascia has an elastic property, which means that it can morph and adapt like a, like a flexible sponge. And then once you pull on it or push on it, it goes back to its original shape. But when you have pain, it tends to become stiff. Like, you know, people have experienced it. Like when you wake up and you feel as stiff as the dried out sponge left overnight on your kitchen sink, that's, that's the stiffening that happens in fascia. So in low back pain, not only did the fascia get stiff, it gets thick. And that thickness is kind of like that blurriness you just referred to, yeah. that the tissue has altered the sense of the sensory nerve endings. They, they become impeded upon. So they actually don't feel movement as quickly. So the tissue doesn't prepare and adjust and adapt as fast as it should. And that again, increases low back pain. So in our research paper, we actually reduced the thickness of their fascia in their low back by 33% in four weeks, and we never touched the low back at all. So that's kind of a really intriguing idea that you can actually affect the very thing that's causing the imbalances and the problem in your low back without even touching your low back at all. Right. Cool. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, your immune system and your cognitive function and your every system in your whole entire body. You know, you look at, you know, the the vessels relating through your connective tissue. If you're squeezing off those pipes, you know, your lymph is not able to move through your system. Right. You know, Andrew, Andrew still called it the guy that founded osteopathy said your lymphatic system was like, is like your, uh, what did he call it? Like the fire department with the hose. Right. So when you have a fire somewhere in your system, if you don't have the tubes to be able to circulate that fluid, you can't put your fire out. And then we call it things like cancer. You know, I I think it's really, it's, it's very fascinating that we, we feel like we're stuck you know, when we get this sickness, this illness, this disease, this pathology, it's like, oh, I got the, I got the thing. It's, 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 it's outside of me. I'm not right. responsible for it. It's separate from me and it's attached to me as opposed to maybe I moved myself into this. But that's a lot of responsibility. It's yes. hard to say that to somebody. It is very hard. And I mean, you know, I have a lot of clients who have come in to say to me, you know, why is my body failing me? I don't understand it. Why is my body failing me? And I say to them, you know, your body's not failing you. You're failing to listen to your body. Your body's trying to tell you something. Why can't you listen? And they're, you know, what what do you mean? Are you saying I might be the cause of my pain? I'm like, oh, well, that might. Sensitive Now that you've, sounds like an idea. Let's talk about that. And it is very intriguing with people who have pain 
that oftentimes I'll say to them, you know, when you were younger, did you get into a car accident where you were a passenger or, you know, did you lose your mom? Did your mom die when you were younger? And sure enough, out comes this huge story of trauma and stress and, and things like that. And I, I, you know, you and I even talked about my own mom, you know, who God love her is just the sweetest, most wonderful woman, but she has had a history of emotional trauma. And so her emotional state is so out of balance that she has these severe mood swings of sadness or depression or mania yeah. where she's just not able to manage how she feels because she has no resource to assist her in managing the problem. And a lot of us feel that is that we really feel alone in the management. And so then going to somebody who says you're the problem just leaves them more more a victim. Right. And so I always say, you know, you might be the, the, the cause of your problem, but I think together we can help you to get out of this. If you're willing to try one more thing, I think that together we could get you to a place where you could really help and understand and identify why you've got so much pain. And it's a very liberating thing for people to, um, I think, go down the road of addressing the emotional stress of their lives that are actually a key cause of their pain. Right. Yeah. We don't like to talk about that, but it's true. Yeah. It's a sensitive subject. It's kind of a, the, the analogy that I use sometimes is like, uh, if you tell a parent how to feed their baby, they're going to punch you in the neck. You know, it's like, you don't talk to me about how I feed That's my baby. Right. This is my child. Right. My baby. Right. You know, know. It's, it's like, well, you're giving your baby lollipops and Jolly Ranchers and he's, you know, he's three years old. I know he's crying, but like, I've done some reading, you know, and I've done some thinking about this and I think I can help, you know, but it's a really, really sensitive subject. And that's the same way that we take care of ourselves. I that's think right. more people need to recognize that we're all babies. I'm a big baby. You know, I'm a, I'm an enlarged version of my baby self and I'm just doing the best to take care of myself, you know? Yeah. And I think well, if we started nurturing ourselves like we are our own childs, we would be in a better place, but we don't. Well, but that's, that's, that's really the problem though, Aaron, is that we're not taught to self-care. Right. We just learn how to do it ourselves. And, you know, I grew up in a family where my dad, when I was younger, said, you know, you better learn how to care for yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you, you know, and when you're older, probably nobody's going to want to marry you. And, you know, you're going to be by yourself for most of the time. I was like, you know, lots of, lots of psychological distress as a kid where I was like, I'm going to be left alone. You know, and you tell a seven-year-old that, well, I think, you know, caring for myself and learning how to do that has been kind of a lifelong pursuit. But really, I think a lot of us think that our mommies and our daddies are going to parent us and care for us all the time. And what we need to do is learn how to basically become a parent to ourselves. We need to become the mother. We need to mother and father ourselves and care for ourselves like a parent and really look out for ourselves and say, geez, you know, I don't know if I can you know, manage doing this. I think I need to ask for help. And it's sometimes real hard for people, I, myself included, to ask for help. And it's, it's something that when you learn to ask for help, actually, it's probably one of the best uh, healing aspects of uh, heartbreak and trauma and stress is being able to uh, have the support network around you. And that's even why I like you know, when I um, when I first started developing this program, it was just me. Like nobody else was doing this kind of stuff. I was kind of all alone. 
And I had people say to me, God, I would love to train from you. And now I've got a community, you know, we've got 1300 instructors worldwide who teach melt around the world. And we have a, a forum where we just constantly are, have them asking questions about specific clients and patients, and it becomes a community of support. And that is probably one of the things that keeps me going is knowing how many people I've helped outside of my own hands reach because these people have gone out and pioneered to, to help others too. So it's really very amazing when you have the support network, how much you can accomplish even when you've got a lot of stress in your life. Right. It's interesting that you bring up that you as a younger human were kind of told that the world's not safe in a sense, because there's, there's right. a, uh, and now look at you, you know, Sue Hitzman, you're like, you're a big deal in the world of fashion, sure. self-care and all that. I mean, seriously, sure. you know, sure. and, and it's, and even from like the, like the crunch boot camp days, it seems like you've always been a high achiever, right? Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting how a lot of people that have lost parents before the age of 18 actually end up going on to being highly successful. Whether it's the healthiest version of success or not, our society, I'm not putting this you know, on you at all, but just in general, our society kind of appreciates monetary success, appreciates these kind of mm -hmm. sometimes arbitrary versions of success. And we end up praising these people that drive, 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 never are satisfied until okay. I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. Because at a young age, they were put in a place of scarcity. The world's not safe. You better right. buck up and get after it. That doesn't, right. that doesn't relate necessarily relate to you at all, but just, it's just an interesting thing that, it, yeah. you know, how sometimes when, we, when we're being raised, you think like, oh, this is the worst thing or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, like, now I'm the king. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I think I, I have such a humanitarian mind that actually one of the hardest things has been for me over the past 16 years of running a company is recognizing that, you know, like when I would meet with people, the very first thing they'd say to me is, yes, yeah, but how's it going to make us money? Right. You know, how's it going to make us money? If we're going to help you, how am I going to make money? And I think right. to myself, well, okay, you know, I mean, I guess I could do this or I could do that. And, you know, I never thought in my wildest dreams when I first started this, because the whole program actually just started out as homework for my clients right. to empower them to get out of my office, which is actually for a therapist. I think one of those things where, where other therapists are like, are you crazy? Like, if you, if you fix them, then they don't come back to you and you don't make money. And I'm like, well, that was a risk when I kind of came up with this homework idea to empower them to get out of my office faster. But what it did was it opened up more time for me to continue to help even more people. So actually for me, I went from seeing 30 people a year to over 500 people a year yeah. just because I was able to get them out of the office faster. And, you know, learning that, you know, when you come from a mind of wanting to share and give and connect um, and not just for, you know, saying my success is the money that I've made to me, you know, I feel successful and I don't need to be a multimillionaire. You know, I, I think I've found great success because I've been able to keep myself pain free and I've helped so many other people who have said to me, nothing's going to help me, Sue. This is, this is as good as it's going to get. And I say, would you try one more thing? Would you just give this a shot? Right. And, you know, that to me, that's success right there. It, it's not so much about money. It's about happiness. I really do believe that. Yeah. And so I wonder with that, like, it seems like f 
talking to you today, it seems like you're a really grounded, you know, pure human being, which is, sure. you know, I, I wonder what the evolution has been for you going from uh, like crunch boot camp, and when you had mentioned, I've heard you mention before that you were in a ton of pain and they were, uh, you were being recommended knee surgery and you had, sure. you were crying on the way to the bathroom. Like that's kind of gets into kind of potentially like what was that pain? Where did that come from? How did you put yourself into that? And how have sure. you evolved to being the more grounded human being that you are today? Because just be, no matter what your childhood is, you're able to reconcile that. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of body work. It's a lot of therapy. It's a lot of um, being open to learning more about you know the I guess the habits of life. I think that you know coming from a family where I had you know my my dad's gone now, but I had a real tough father, and my mom was you know kind of always out doing her thing. So. It's like it's a it's a lifetime of that. And then in my 20s, when my dad got sick, I mean, I can honestly say that I think a lot of the pain when I was really in the most pain was the year that my dad got diagnosed with cancer and everybody said, Sue, come home, you need to help. And it was just this spiral down um, where my body took the toll and even, you know, something that I just experienced just in this last week, I had actually gotten into a, a, an accident. I was rollerblading and some lady kicked yes. a, a, a cab door open and sent me flying through the air with a huge gash on my arm and, and my head hit the ground, you know. And, um, and I, you know, I mean, I got out luckily with no broken bones and no concussion. But then when all of the trauma with my, my mom currently going through some stuff, I felt my ribs on the left side really in a lot of pain when I took big exhalations. And I'm like, well, that's my heart. Right. You know, my heart's breaking for her. You know, my heart feels it. And it's a lot of trauma. And so as I allow that um, recognition and that acknowledgement of that pericardial tissue around my heart that's protecting my heart yeah. to just be pericardial tissue, doesn't need to squeeze my heart, doesn't need to be so tight it takes the pain out of my body. And, you know, again, some good hands-on healing always does a body good. So yeah. I think the thing that's helped me to get out of pain was um, just really a lot of understanding of how pain can manifest from both physical and emotional trauma. Um, and then addressing that every day is taking care of myself every day and saying, what does my body need today? And, um, really giving myself uh, space to right. to to process. Um, I think that for a lot of us, we just go on, you know, on overdrive and it's like, you know, our car's in neutral. We never put the car in park and just turn it off and rest. And I think that that's a problem for a lot of people is that we don't know that we could get more help. Um, and so we kind of go most of our lifetime doing it on our own. And I think... Uh, that's why a lot of marriages end in divorce is because we end up marrying the same type of energy as our parents that we've tried so hard to fight or, or desire change. And right. we, we actually perpetuate the problems. We don't fix them. Right. Yeah. There's uh, I'm not a neuroscientist. Just, I, I know sometimes people confuse me for a neuroscientist. I'm not, but I'm going to talk about the brain very, sure. very, 
Uh, but I believe the cerebellum is the same portion of the brain that relates to uh, the, the tonus of our musculature and also relates with emotional psychological stress. I'm sure there's a lot of other portions of the brain that are involved with that as well. Um, limbic system. Limbic, limbic system. system. Amygdala. Yeah. Amygdala, exactly. What, you know, like again, you want to think about how the cerebellum and everything is covering over right. that primal area of the brain. But yeah, they're all part and parcel part of it. And yeah. so, and so uh, the, just the reason that I'm, I'm referencing that is because just to have a little bit more like, you know, hard science, tangible science of the relationship between my psychological stress is directly impacting the contraction of the musculature in my neck. And now I have this yes. neck pain or back pain or foot pain or whatever it is. And now because I'm stressed out, I'm all of a sudden shortening my brow and people start to think that I'm a dickhead. Now all of a sudden I'm creating <laughs> this, right. this feedback loop where I think everybody else is a dickhead. Right, right, you know, right. and then all of a sudden you start to put yourself into this bubble box of clouds, you know, and right. it's and it starts off, I think, with uh, everything. You, know, you can't pin one. It's the connective tissue. It's your emotion. No. It's all well, of it. It's all of it because you know the thing about the brain is that, especially again when it comes to pain and trauma, the very intriguing thing is that pain and how our brain produces the sense of pain. Actually, the the problem with it is that there are no pain centers in the brain, and what I mean by that is that people manifest their pain signals from different regions of the brain, and. It, they're always the same regions of the brain that we also um, deal with movement, just like how you're saying movement, uh, emotions, uh, trauma, um, and, and even love, those parts of our brain. And so what it's called is neuroplasticity. And the, it's almost like pain and trauma can hijack those parts of the brain where we also uh, manifest movement and control and things like that. So what's very intriguing is that you might uh, find that, let's just as an example, you're, you hate your job, you sit at a desk all day long, and your boss is always yelling at you, and suddenly you start having low back pain. Right. And so you say, oh, it's because of the chair I'm sitting in. But the thing is, even, you know, like, and so you only get the pain when you're sitting down. But over time, you start having the pain all of the time. And now, even when you start thinking about having to go to work, your back starts to hurt you. Right. And it's so it's a part of the brain where your brain, instead of processing movement or an emotion, it's actually producing pain response. And it's such an intriguing thing how the brain is able to produce the process of pain even when there's nothing really wrong. Like, you know, you could get an MRI or an X-ray in your body and doctors say, and that's what happened to me is that the doctor said, nothing's wrong with you, Sue. We can't find anything. They did MRIs and X-rays. I went to so many people. And one of the doctors said to me, you know, I just think you need to take a medication. I think you're depressed. And I was like, no kidding. I'm depressed. I can't right. move. I'm a fitness professional. I can't walk around without pain. Right. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm depressed. And that perpetuated the pain. And as I started to address all of those reasons of like, geez, why am I feeling so much anger? Why am I feeling like that guy is a dickhead or, you know, like everybody's an <laughs> asshole and I hate them all. And like, you know, you're a jerk and you're a jerk and they all think I'm a jerk. And right. now we're all fighting. And, and you think to yourself, why, why is that existing? And sometimes we manifest it. Um, and to me, sometimes anger is just simply 
power trying to reinsert itself. Elaine de Beauport shared that one with me many years ago. God love that woman. And she, she, she said to me, you know, the mind and how the mind manifests information, you just have to understand that anger sometimes is power just trying to manifest itself and is trying to reinsert itself. It's power trying to reinsert itself and ground you so that it speaks some truth. And it's very tough for people to speak their truth because they really, I think, oftentimes believe that they're either going to destroy the people that they're talking to by sharing how angry they are or they're going to destroy their right. relationships or themselves by speaking about it, which is why so many people also then stay in bad relationships and don't say anything about it until it's so bad that they can't manage it. And that's the same thing with pain as well. You know, we, we endure it, we tolerate it, we suffer. And I say we have a choice to suffer or not. Right. We do not need to suffer. We have a choice. And so do you want to suffer or not is a question I ask a lot of my clients. And they say, I don't want to suffer anymore. And I say, then we need to do something. We need to change. We need to change you. We yeah. need, you need, and that's hard. People don't like change. Change is scary, um, but what's really more maddening is, I think, you know, living in pain and living a life where you feel bad about it. I think, you know, change your state, change your behavior, um, you know, it's, it's time to take care of yourself, and we all just need to know how to do that better. Right. I mean, every, so everything is relative, you know, so if your whole yes. entire life, since you were a baby, you were clenching your fist as hard as you possibly could, mm -hmm. you know, for you... That's just what a hand is. It's a clenched, right. balled up, you know, white fist. It's you know, unconscious. It's, it's we don't unconscious, even know we're doing it. You know, and so that is the really, and that's again getting into like the paradigm paradigm shift of, you know, I think we need to go beyond the standard. You know, okay, we take this pill, do this exercise, da da da. You know, I think there's there's more to it. And one of the things that you chat about that I think is is important is uh, the concept of of pre pain. You know, and those little signs and those little flares that come up. My my uh, my buddy, Dr. Cobb, who I've had on the show as well, he he, uh, he might have – I think he coined this. I say he coined this. Maybe somebody else did. But he called it the stress bucket. You know, he's like essentially every one of us has this container that we're able to fill with X amount of BS. And then we need to – pour it out at the end of the day you know so my right. so my solution to that is self-care is movement is relationships is sexuality is whatever you're into That's you know right. to to move that stuff you know and, yes and but it's something that i think we we see when we go to like a western doctor nothing against western medicine i think it's great but the diagnostic tools that we end up using aren't necessarily sensitive enough to see all of the potential nooks and crannies that could sure. be kind of fishy in ourselves. Great. Your BMI is great. Your cholesterol is great. It's like, I think you're all right. You know, it's like, okay, right. cool. I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. Well, you know, if you think of your cells as being a mini version of you, think that inside your body, you've got trillions of little carbon copies of yourself in there that your body is trying to manage every day. So, you know, we need to love ourselves and that's, you know, by doing that, you're actually filling all of your cells with love as well. And self-love is sometimes very hard for people to recognize um, that they don't do that very much or, you know, 
I don't know, maybe they don't think that they're worth it. They're, you know, they shouldn't, they can't, you know, I mean, I even hear my mom when I, I'll buy her something and she'll say, oh, oh, don't buy that. I've got one of those already. I'm like, mom, it was rusty. You know, like it was a teapot and it was all rusted. You can't trade. Well, I, I, I was going to use that again. And I said, no, you know, no, no, you got to throw it away. It's okay. We're going to buy a new one. And right. it's hard though. It's hard to let those old patterns, uh, and fears be broken away, especially, you know, like for, for somebody my mom's age, you know, she grew up in wartime where, you know, people weren't sure where their next meal was coming from and everybody was eating out of cans. And I'm like, mom, don't buy canned vegetables, buy fresh or frozen vegetables. Don't right. buy canned. Here's you know, you don't need anyway. to, you don't need, yeah, you don't need to do <laughs> that anymore. Like, you know, buy it, buy it, buy it fresh if you can. And it just, she doesn't have that concept because she was the caretaker for her whole life. So she doesn't know how to care for herself. She only knows how to do for others. And a lot of people live in that type of a lifestyle. So it really does take, I think, a shift of behavior um, and a voice of reason outside of yourself sometimes to make you go, oh my God, I am, am I doing that to myself? I had no idea, but that's what I always say to my clients is that they don't even realize their problems until I point them out. So that's what I try to do is I try to say, let me just gently point out some flaws and see if we can fix them. Because if you know what they are, you can fix them. But oftentimes, like with a pre-pain symptom, they're so common, people think they're normal. And I say, no, no, listen, there's something called average and there's something called normal. Normal is a scientific reference point for baseline. But the average middle American is actually below normal. Yeah. They're below the normal range. So we're actually constantly in a state of trying to get ourselves to a baseline. And so it's exhausting. Our bodies can become exhausted just trying to deal with what we're eating and the, and the, and the stress of their days. And you know, people are afraid to take their vacation because when they come back, they might be fired from their job. And I'm like, ah, you know, I mean, it's not a life. You, know, you need to be able to express happiness and joy and love because that is how you keep yourselves healthy is through talking to people and relatability and creating rapport, um, having empathy instead of sympathy, but having empathy with people. Um, it, that's what that, that I think is part of the human touch of self-care. And when you learn how to catch, again, those pre-pain symptoms or before the bucket runneth over with the stress, yeah. if you can catch it before you're full up, um, you don't have to have that rage, you know, anger in a tuxedo kind of a thing, making it nice for everybody to deal with your angry behavior. It, it actually can be easier for you to manage your own lifestyle by just, you know, taking it in small doses instead of feeling like you've, you know, got to change the whole kit and caboodle in one shot. Yeah. Daily care is a daily thing. That's why we call it daily care. Yeah. Right. But I, I would say just like brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth today so that people can stand your breath, but you're also brushing your teeth today so that you don't have tooth decay tomorrow. Right. So it should be a daily regimen. It's not every once in a while. You should do it every day. Right. In relation to brushing your teeth, looking at what we're eating beyond brushing your teeth, I think is more important. <laughs> Sugar um, is the devil. It's the devil. It's the devil. So, so I was in, so I was in uh, Morocco for a couple months and people that listen to the podcast uh, know this because I recorded a bunch of random Moroccan music and street stuff and ocean cool. sounds and all that stuff. 
Um, but as I was out there, one of the things that I found really interesting was the Muslim religion is incredibly beautiful. And one of the things that they, that they do is there's the five pillars, you know, and it's like, it doesn't matter what they are. The one that's, the one that's important for this is, uh, they come down, they pray five times a day. Right. right? And so every morning at sunrise and then at noon and then the afternoon and then blah, 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 they end up having the whole town stops. They get this over the, over the loudspeaker and everything kind of, you know, everyone heads to the mosque or they end up going to their little rug and they come kind of down a- and they go into, depending upon which prayer it is, they'll do either three squats or five squats or whatever it is. And they'll come down, they'll bow, they'll touch their head, their head their, to, the floor. Their, to the floor, which is yeah. an amazing sensation. If anyone ever wants to just check this, just check it out. Put your head down to the ground. It feels nice. I'm sure it does yeah. a lot of physiological stuff that I'm not really yeah. sure about. I know that Third it feels eye. nice. Right. You know, and so I think as I was out there, I had this kooky idea that if I were to start a religion, because I think anyone really could, I would, I would introduce self-care as a part of the daily practice. Because the religion, I think the really the most important thing is that it's making people better. You know, whether you, you think dogmatic religion is a good thing, bad thing, whatever. If it makes you better, no matter what illusion you're living under, in the end of the day, your cells are happier, you know, and some religions don't make you better. But I think it's very, very interesting that these people just from following this routine, I think they were generally happier just because they were almost forced into, I'm not saying hundred percent, but I think it's, it's an interesting thing. If we can just implement subtle little things into our daily life, okay. they're like, oh, every, every day at noon, I do this thing. Every day before I go to bed, I get out my, my foam roller. I get out my balls. I get out my whatever. I do my little self-care thing. You know? mm-hmm. So I'm curious what you did. That was a random tangent. I apologize for that. I'm curious, <laughs> I'm curious what you did for, uh, to come out of the, the funk that you were in as far as like the, the, the knee injury and as far as the depression and as far as the, all that stuff, like actual steps. Cause I know there's a lot of people out there that are experiencing something similar or yeah. have friends or family that are in that similar situation. There's, there were a lot of things. I mean, a lot of steps. I mean, things like, um, you know, drinking water more frequently to, um, saying thank you to people or, um, doing an act of kindness every day. Um, uh, you know, it's like a blessing for me every day. I hear thank you from people. People thank me every day. Thank you so much for what you do. And I feel like that is, it couldn't fill my heart with more joy than, than anything else I could even think of. It's like one of those really big blessings for me. And so I think that, um, you know, telling someone you love them, um, giving someone a compliment, again, opening a door for someone or, um, you know, sharing a funny story to make someone laugh or, um, you know, get, giving somebody a, a hug. I think that those are things where every single day we should try to make that a daily habit. You know, there's um, one of my dear friends and uh, she's a very amazing, very amazing fitness professional, Petra Kolber. She, um, she has this whole idea of, you know, how to instill happiness in your life and how to sort of change that behavior from kind of isolation. Um, and then, you know, to like an invigoration type of a thing where you're, you're, you know, creating happiness or, you know, like to try to change your state. I've heard Tony Robbins say, you just got to, just got to shush it out. Shush it out. Yeah. Sure. Just change, change your state. 
And it yeah. is absolutely incredible to me. Like, you know, haven't you ever had somebody do something where you get so angry and just want to kill them? And it's like, you just have to, okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> Why am I feeling this way? Why is that bothering me so much? And when you actually give yourself those steps where you kind of go through that process, I think that that can really help you to not manifest and harbor problems in your body um, by, by caring for yourself. And for me, when I started um, working with Melt and I developed the technique, I was doing it for myself. And what I found was the most incredible change for me wasn't just the pain elimination, but that I was dreaming more. I had yeah. more restful sleep. Um, I had more energy through the day. I, um, my mind was more clear. I felt more happiness. Um, and I really do believe it was because I was giving myself something rather than depleting myself, like, you know, exercising and working out so that my shoulders would be all buff or, you know, so that I would be accepted or um, somebody would tell me I was pretty or something like that. Like it wasn't for such a superficial yeah. thing. I was, I was actually giving love back to myself. And I think that that was what shifted a lot of my um, pain was that the person that my dad said that I was or uh, needed to be or should have been was just his perception of uh, me and him manifesting his fear uh, and his worry and his anger on me. Um, and I didn't need to do that. I could be myself. I could be who I was and not, not the person who my father told me I should be. And I think that when I shifted my mindset to being who I believed I was, um, I, I think it really changed everything for me. I think I became a much more loving, uh, gracious, um, giving person. I, you know, I mean, I think I, I share more compassion with people um, than I ever have in, in, in the 20 years before that. So yeah. that's what I think. It's rounding out your corners. You know, yes. And, and, yes. and so if you look throughout history, all of the all of the great early civilizations, you know, that were more in congruency with nature, they're circles, you know, right. and then some triangles came along. But it's 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 natural patterns. Right? right. And when you look around your world, when you are in this box reality, that, that impacts the way that you think, you know, and, and when you go to the gym and you do your box workout and you get on the machine that's built for somebody else's body and you do a linear movement that has no relation to stability or any kind of like cooler musculature, it's just this one silly, ridiculous linear movement. I promise that impacts the way that you perceive yourself and the way that you perceive reality. Right. right. You know, and, and so if you look at like, it, it, like I was just in a bunch of ruins just like last week, you know, and you see the arches, they're still there. All right. the hard corners, they fall away. That's and, right. You know, and I, I wonder how you, how your movement expression has shifted since being, since being the, uh, the what is it? Booty, booty boot camp? Booty, yeah. Booty boot camp. Booty camp. <laughs> Yeah. Which you, you look, know, you look, you look jacked on the, on the cover. You look, I was, Woo! I mean, I have to tell you, I mean, I was 11% body fat. I was probably about 15 pounds heavier and it was all muscle, you know? And I mean, 
I couldn't have been any more muscular. And that was actually when I had the most amount of pain was when I shot that video. I was like literally crawling to the bathroom that year that I shot it. And my dad died five days before we shot that video, uh, you know, and I missed his funeral because I had to shoot that video and they would get me out of it. And, uh, you know, I would say that that's a lot of, it's a lot of stress that I had back then. I think I looked, I think now I look the same age almost that I do then. Um, because I'm, I actually think I looked older when I was in my twenties than I do in my forties. Um, just because I think, you know, I, I care for myself more. I don't, you know, I don't have to get to the gym every day. And, you know, like how you say, lift like that. I tend to do more, uh, whole body movements. And for me, I actually love taking classes. Like my friend Kira Stokes, she has this whole thing, get stoked. She's got this stoke class and it's like, it's, it's almost abusive to some parts because you're just nonstop action. But the, the reason that I always walk out of there feeling so great is that her energy that she gives out to people is so joyous and so fun. I actually, you know, for as much power and output as I've done, I actually feel amazing because I, I feel like she, she gave me her time, you know, like she gave something to me and that makes me want to go out and, and do for others. So, um, you know, I, I, I have a very wide array of things I love to do running, biking. I mean, I love running with my friend Jeff because we, you know, it's like the time where we just talk about life and philosophize about, you know, who we are and how we got here and things like that. And, um, I don't even know how much of it is the movement as much as it is being with a friend doing something in a day that makes it all worthwhile, you know. So I, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing I do is just a wide variety of things with other people. Right. So I think, again, it's, it's both ends. You know, you, the, move, the movement impacts the friends that you spend time with and the friends that you spend time with impacts your physical movement. The way that you think and the way that you move, they're, it's ping pong back and forth. Each one right. follows and pulls the other one. It's very beautiful. You know? Well, in favor, function, function will beget your structure and structure will beget your function. And I don't just mean that physically, but I mean that emotionally, spiritually, everything, that how your life is structured will actually affect your function just as much as the functions of your day will affect the structure of your life. So it's there, it's symbiotic. You have to kind of look at both sides and really in a much more uh, holistic whole body way and not think of exercises just being about, you know, how you look. It should be about how you feel um, about, about what the experience is and about what it brings to you by caring for yourself. And I think that's part of self-care that, again, we miss. We don't talk about it um, because it seems too frou-frou-y, like the, right. you know, your emotions will cause you pain. Who came up with that idea? Right. But, you know, I say, you know, emotional posturing is a real thing. You know, when people are happy, they're upright, they look vibrant. And when they're not, they're kind of forward and pitched and they're protecting their heart. You know, you can see it. You know, I mean, haven't you ever walked up in, in front of a friend and they're kind of like this and you go, come on. Right. Hug it up. Yeah. What's the matter? Give yeah. me a hug. Tell me what's up. They don't have to say one word and you just know from their physical being that something is wrong. And having that type of interaction, everybody should have that opportunity to have somebody who actually sees them 
I mean, really sees them. And I think, you know, also as being a therapist that my clients always say is that you really get me, you really get my problem. You, it's like you say things that no doctor has ever said to me or pointed out to me. You really get it. And I, and I say, well, that's part of, again, that's part of rapport is that you, you have to be a good listener. And I think you give out, you'll get right back tenfold. If you give out good love, you'll get it back. You give out shit, you'll probably get shit back. Right. Yeah. And so we're, we're, uh, we're about out of time and I had all these things I wanted to talk about. Uh, but the, I just, for, for folks listening, I'd like, uh, to maybe challenge you to just start observing the world. Right. In the, in the sense of looking at individuals postures and create a story. It's probably going to be bogus, but just have fun with it, you know, and start seeing if you see a person that, you know, when I was a kid, I was really into bodybuilding and really into I had a lot of insecurities. I had an interesting childhood, you know, and and, <laughs> and so I ended up packing on tons of muscle. I was 220 pounds. I was all greased up and like. Oof, you know, is very, very interesting. Looking at me from kind of like a untrained eye, you might think, wow, that guy's just killing. He's doing great. You know, but deep down, what I was doing is I was just packing on muscle to guard insecurities. I wanted the sure. whole world to know that I could kick your ass. So back up. You know, yeah, and facade, 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 right? you know, and yeah. so and so one of the things that I see with you now talking to you in comparison to the, the picture on the, the Crunch Booty Bootcamp is is the the crunch booty boot camp was a lot like the more like the roman empire with the pillars and it was strong and it was yeah. you know it had this front of being incredibly strong and domineering yeah. and i could talk to the world now you look a little bit more like you know african freestyle like we can <laughs> we can climb a tree we can be soft we sure. can we can give and we can receive you yes. know and one of the things that alan watts i think it might be might be alan watts somebody somebody smart mentioned uh, the difference between grasping and understanding something, right? Yeah. So I think that a lot of us, we end up with the intention to grasp and reach out and grab it and it's mine and I'm going to take it in, you know? And that is a step in your evolution of, you know, discovering yourself, letting go of your ego. The next step beyond that, that most people don't get to until they're on their deathbed is understanding. And understanding right. is permitting yourself to be grasped. Right. You know, that's it's... right. And I think that's that same thing with like the, the, the yeah butters, you know, like to say to somebody, um, gosh, you know, that really hurt my feeling what you did. Well, yeah, but I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. And it's like, well, you don't have to do anything about it. I'm just saying that hurt my feelings. And so, you know, they, it's, it's hard for people to kind of have that, I guess, ability to listen and understand where someone is at, including yourself. Yeah. But then to, to be able to give that back to people is part of it is about just giving a, a little more love to yourself every day and recognizing that we all need a little bit of love from somebody else sometimes. And the more you can get, the more you'll receive. I really believe it. So, you know, I did the same as you. I lifted weights and was as strong as a freaking ox. I could have bench pressed you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I got to slam you right down to the ground. So, but now it's like, you know, I look at a 25 pound weight and I'm like, mm, I think I'll take that 10 pound weight instead. You know, I mean, I know I could lift it, but why? Like, why do I need to be that way? And I don't, I think that the softness that I've learned to have in my life has given me a lot more joy and a, a lot more um, connection with people. I think I relate to people better um, just because I've listened and I understand um, how and why people get into the problems that they get into. And, um, you know, I just, 
I think there's a solution for anything. I think we can all find solutions. We just sometimes need a little help in finding it. Yeah, you got to go into the fire in order to understand right. how to get other people out. So how do people how do people find you, Sue? So? They can they can go to meltmethod.com. That's M-E-L-T-M-E-T-H-O-D.com. Uh, they can check out the website. Uh, they can click on Find Melt and find. 1,300 instructors worldwide teaching amazing classes. They could probably come and take a class with me as well. Um, we have the Melt Method fan page on Facebook, um, and I have a Sue Hitzman fan page as well. So I would say friend those things because I, I am certainly always sending out as much good information as I can to as many people as possible. So be part of the network because there's lots of good people around us. Awesome. And uh, I don't know if you realize it, but we have like a really similar path. And then I started doing fitness instruction, all that stuff when I was 16. And then oh, went yeah. into the body work, manual therapy, rolfing world. And then uh, started doing the same thing, creating videos and then creating. Now I sell the self-care kit, which is foam roller, hollow inside, balls, bands, all that stuff. And teaching right. people how to, how, to, how to educate themselves to become their own therapist, the whole thing. I love that. And so I love it's like, that. It's like you're like you're like a more beautiful, smarter, <laughs> more feminine, wiser version of me. I'm the girl version you're of me. You're the girl version of me. Well, you know, I think that's also another thing is I've really I really feel like where there was a point where I felt very alone in my thinking. I have found such a dramatic uh, environment, an amazing group of like-minded individuals. I say you and I are not alone in our thinking, um, and it's just a gift that you give people to try to get them to self-care for themselves. So I'm, I'm, I bet that anything you're doing is right in line with what I do as well. So I love that. Thanks right. for thanks for talking to me too. Yeah, thank you. All right, cool, sweet. Over and out. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you can find my blog, you can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.